0: What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? (laughs) That was actually better than my church does sometimes. Uh, Yeah, so um, like Brian said, we are in week two of Christian, and uh, I was just looking at that, I'm thinking, I didn't realize how much Amazon had changed in the past couple years, (laughs) but but that Amazon browser, I was like, that don't look like that no more. Um, Anyways, yeah, but we'll get back to that in just a second. I do want to just pause for a second and just honor your pastor, uh, Pastor Jim. I love your pastor. I've known him almost the whole time. Uh, actually, yeah, the whole time that I've lived in Maine, I've known, known Pastor Jim. And I've never, I've never met anybody that carries uh, confidence and humility at the same time uh, like Pastor Jim does. So I just want to honor your pastor. I know that him and Tanya are definitely in need of prayers. And I want you to know that there are other churches that are fighting this fight with you guys and, and praying for your pastor and his wife. Um, yeah, so some of you guys know me. Uh, but for those of you that don't, uh, give me two minutes, and I'm going to give you the J story, and then we'll jump to uh, week two of Christian. I am not from here. I'm a Southerner. Uh, I grew up, and well, let me actually, let me just say, I am a pastor at the Rock Church. Love my church. Love my pastor, Pastor Kirk Winters. Um, I'm the campus pastor of the Bangor campus right now, and we're getting ready to launch our third campus in the Brewer Holden community. Uh, right now, the, the really the linchpin that we're hanging on right now is real estate to launch that third campus. Um, but man, things are going good. Uh, but like I said, I am a southerner, a southern boy through and through. The longer I live in Maine, the more I say y'all because I just refuse to let go of it. Um, let's see. I moved to Maine in 2010. I grew up in Baton Rouge. Uh, went to college in Tennessee, just outside of Chattanooga. And you might think how. Do you, how did God get a bald southern kid <laughs> to move this far north of the Mason-Dixon? The answer is, in college, I met a cute little redhead girl named Ruth. <laughs> its family lived in Maine. That's all it took, y'all. Just a cute little redhead girl. And I followed her all the way here. I uh, really believe God led us here, actually. Um, but Ruth and I have been married now for 18 years. 18 years last month. We have four kids. Um, We actually celebrated this year, this was a big year for me and Ruth, because this year we actually celebrated 20 years of friendship, and for me growing up, I just bounced around from place to place, I've lived in a lot of southern states, and to have a friend that has been in my life that long was a a pretty big milestone for Ruth and I, so we celebrated 20 years of friendship this year. Uh, Let's see, what else? Southern boy, that's about all you need to know. I will tell you this, moving to Maine was a culture shock. Um, y'all, I came from, they call it the Bible belts. I came from the Bible belts to Maine. <laughs> Look, okay, all right let me let me paint the picture here because I don't think y'all are getting it. I came from where in public school, on Wednesday nights, you did not give homework because it was church night in public school to Maine, right? Like I came y'all I came from where they made, where, where they made Chick-fil-A chicken, God's chicken, right, <laughs> to Maine. And it was a culture shock. But you know what? Like, like everybody growing up where I, where I grew up, everybody was a Christian, right? Everybody had a church. Uh, everybody knew their pastor. Everybody had a family Bible. And you know what I realized as I kind of grew up through that? Just because you say you're a Christian I don't make you a Christian, right? Like, just because you can quote, you you can name all 66 books of the Bible, right? Uh, Just because you can tell me the top trending songs on (laughs) K-Love. Just because your mama goes to church, your grandmama goes to church, and you go to church, that does not make you a Christian, and that's really like, like the biggest idea of this series that you guys are in right now, is this question. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean? Does it mean that I give away all of my money to the poor? Uh, does it mean... I guarantee you, if we started asking people, we'd get a lot of different answers. Does it mean that I've been baptized or, or christened as a child, depending on where you grew up? Uh, does it mean that I read the Bible every day, what does it mean to be a Christian? See, we learned last week, uh, you guys learned last week, um, that this term, Christian, the first place you see it in Scripture is Acts chapter 11. And what it was, was this ragtag bunch of believers, that all that they knew was that they believed in Jesus, that Jesus was the Son of God, that He was who He said He was, that He, he died on the cross like He said He would, and that He rose again. They, that, was, that was all they knew about this, this ragtag bunch of people. Like, they literally had nothing in common. Um, they, they didn't have... This, this group of people in Acts 11, it was the church in Antioch. They had nothing in common. They weren't all Jews. Like, it was a bunch of different nationalities. So they couldn't, they couldn't go culturally here and, and label them that way. Um, they didn't all speak the same language, so they couldn't, they couldn't stick that label on them. Literally, the only thing... You know what? That, I bet you that church could not even agree on which Star Wars movie was the best one. <laughs> which we all know. It's episode 5, Empire Strikes Back. Just so you know, right? Like literally, the only thing that this church had in common was Jesus. And so it's funny to me, you have to see humor in the Bible, okay? Because it's funny to me that this, this term, it's the Greek word christianos. And this, this term that they started calling them, they literally made it up in Acts chapter 11. Like it had never been spoken before, and they just were like, uh, they're, they're, they're Christians. <laughs> there you go, that's what we're going to call them. Because the only thing they had in common was Jesus. And it's hilarious to me that they made this word up. Because I started thinking, like, we do that all the time, right? We make up words all the time because we see something and we don't know how to describe it, so we just grab a random word and we make it up. And if you don't believe me, I googled what are the top trending words that have been added to the dictionary in 2020. And I'm just going I'm I'm to educate you guys. This is We'll get back to Jesus, okay? But I'm just going to educate you. I thought this was funny. I'm going to let you know. Here's some words we made up last year. The first word is sharent. That's just fun to say, right? Sharent, anybody have any idea what that is? Have you ever heard of that word? That's a good thing I'm here today. I'm just letting (laughs) letting you all know. A sharent is a parent that uses social media to share pictures of their kids. That's the only way they share pictures of their kids, a sharent. All right, I got another one for you. This one's good. Amorites. Amorites. Now, this sounds like somebody from, from the Bible, but it's not. Amorites is actually a new word that you say at the end of a sentence it's like am i right like like agree with me am i right right like star wars episode 5 is the best star wars movie am i right, right? <laughs> okay let's keep going here's the next one glamping anybody know this one Glamp- uh, some of y'all some of y'all are cool you know that all right glamping glamping is a mix between like glamour and camping it's you go camping but there's an air conditioner in your tent there's running water in your tents. There's, come on, somebody, you ain't on the floor, right? Like I don't, my wife loves to camp, and I still don't understand why you would choose to sleep on the ground. I don't, and then pay to do it. Anyways, all right, I'm going to keep moving. Uh, here's another one. I got one for you. Hangry. Anybody know this word? Hangry. Yeah, this word pops up in my house quite a lot. <laughs> Hangry is the irritated feeling you get when you are hungry. There you go, hangry. All right, I got two more. Bro hug. Now, this word probably doesn't need an explanation. It's a bro hug. You got two guys, they're buds. They don't go in for a full-on embrace. (laughs) They do what we call a bro hug. I'll, I'll illustrate. It's the shake. Come in, two pats, back it out. That's the bro hug, okay? That's the bro hug. All right, let's keep going. I got my last one. Now, before you go to it, oh, you already went there. All right, that's all right. I love that this word is in the dictionary, okay? Now, if you're from the 80s, you know this word. Does anybody know the word MacGyver? A couple of you guys are like, I've got a Swiss army knife because of that word, right? (laughs) MacGyver. But the meaning of the word has changed. It's now a verb, and you use this word when you're like figuring out a problem, but you're not doing it through conventional methods. Like, give me some duct duct tape and a Swiss army knife, and we're going to MacGyver this thing right now, right? MacGyver, I love... That's my favorite word. In fact, if I could add a word to the Bible. Anyways, all right. So back... But back to the original question, because that's what they did. They're like, Christian. That's what we're calling. And what does that mean? Like, what did that mean to this ragtag bunch of believers? What does it mean to you? Like... What does it mean to me? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you were raised where Christianity, being a Christian, was kind of the cultural norm, right? Everybody was a, a Christian. Uh, maybe, maybe you're actually, so like if I'm on this end of the spectrum, maybe you're way over here. And you're thinking, Jay, I have seen so many Christians that I want to be as far away from that word as possible, right? They're all just a bunch of hypocrites. I'm not, I'm not going to associate with that word. Maybe you have no idea what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you do. In fact, tell you what. Take just a second. I taught uh, high school math for 13 years, so we'll pretend like I'm teaching right now. Let's do a little interaction. Get a pen or get your iPhone or something and just write your answer down. What does it mean to be a Christian? Just think about it. Tell you what. Even if you don't want to write your answer down, get your phone out and text somebody. So I think that you're interacting with me, right? Just get it out and write it down. This is what I think it means to be a Christian. And then at the end, I'm going to let you know, and then we'll kind of reflect on it and see, where you are right? Were you even close? I think it might surprise you, honestly, what the answer is. What does it mean to be a Christian? See, the truth of the matter is this. When it comes to being a Christian, it's actually more about Jesus than it is about me. When it comes to being a Christian, it's more about Christ than it is you or me. Makes me think of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Go to the next slide for me. Look at this. It says, for in Christ. I love that that says in Christ. Because you want to know what a Christian is? A Christian is basically a person that has said, you know what? I believe in Christ. I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I believe that he died for me. I take, and this is this is the kicker, because you can pray that prayer and still not be a Christian. Here, here's where it is. I take my life and I place it in Christ. My life is no longer mine. It is now his. I am a Christian. Last week we said, uh, you, you guys uh, heard that the, the that early church, they actually didn't really know what Christian men. They, they called themselves disciples. That's what they said. You know what a disciple is? A disciple is somebody that says, you know what? I'm going to take you, and you are my final authority on life. Uh, like, like they have a teacher. They called them a rabbi, but they had this teacher that they said, you are my final authority. I will follow you, and whatever you say to do or not do, I will do like my life is no longer my own and in Christ see being a christian i love this i love how this says this being a christian is in christ it's not about being part of some conscientious religion it's not about being a part of a church where i feel like oh i've got all my questions answered everything is nice everything is neat everything is pretty i'm a christian no it's not about it's not about that In Christ, it's not about our conscientious religions, but it's also not about our complete disregard of it. It's not about just saying, oh, I don't want anything to do with it. They're all just a bunch of hypocrites. Both responses are wrong. He says, in Christ, neither our conscientious religion nor our disregard of religion amounts to anything. And I love this because, guys, I'm pretty numb And so I love it when scripture is blunt. It says, This is what it is. And I like this. What matters? There's a, the NIV says, What matters most? Like the most important thing. It's not about going to church. It's not about giving all your money away to the poor. It's not, what matters most is something far more interior. It's having faith, a faith that is so sincere. It's so inside of me, it's a belief in me that will not be shaken regardless of the storm, regardless of 2020, right? It is a faith in me that says my life is in Christ, but it can't stop there. Look at this. It is a faith in Christ that is so sincere, it express it works itself out of you. And how does it work itself out of you? By standing up in front of everyone and saying, I am a Christian, no. By making sure that the Christian music at your desk is louder than the secular music at your coworker's desk, right? No. Being a Christian is faith in Christ. Being a follower, a disciple of Jesus, is faith in Jesus that is so deeply rooted in my heart that it expresses itself through every area of my life and love. And that's where we're going to sit today love faith expressed in love like it literally guys it literally is this simple love jesus so much that you love the people he died for it is that simple what like what is the defining in fact jesus says this jesus said you cannot separate loving me from loving people and in fact if you say you love me but you don't love people, I'm gonna call you a liar. Because you cannot separate loving Jesus from loving people. I love in, in John, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Go to that next slide. He says, By this, everybody's gonna know that you're my di- my disciple. Now, how would you answer that question? Right? Like if you were never in church and you just it, the only experience that you had with being a Christian was the people that you met out on the road that said they were Christian. How would you think this gets answered? Everybody will know that you're my disciple, you follow me, you're a Christian. If you read the Bible, if you have perfect theology, if you have a voice like an angel of Chris Madden, right? <laughs> like how, how would you think <laughs> How would you think this is answered? Some of you guys know it. You were here last week. This is actually your theme verse for this series, John, chapter thirteen. Go to the next slide. He says, "By this, everybody's going to know you follow me if you love people." Man, if the if only the church grabbed a hold of this. If only all of those people I saw growing up that were Christians. But ooh, don't ever take their seat in church. <laughs> like if only we would grab a hold of that you cannot separate loving God from loving people. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing to the church, and this is what he says to the church. He says, let love be your greatest aim." Like there are a lot of good things that, that you could aim your life at. You could aim your life at, at feeding all the, the hungry people. You could aim your life at eliminating poverty. You could aim your, but, but of all of the things that you're going to aim your life at, if there's only one thing, let it be love. To love Jesus and love people. You might say, Jay, <laughs> loving Jesus is great. I can have my quiet time at home. There's nobody around. I did it this morning, y'all. I, I was sitting down. I had my Bible, had my coffee. What? Jesus loves coffee. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and it was great. I'm having a quiet moment with God. I just feel this, you know, this, this calm, this peace. Get some direction on some questions Ruth and I've been asking. And then my kids wake up. (laughs) One of my boys is right here with me. And that quiet moment with Jesus, (laughs) in about 30 seconds, became mass chaos. (laughs) Jay, I'm going to love people. I mean, I'm going to love Jesus, but loving people. (laughs) I would challenge you. It is impossible to love God and not love the people that he sent his son to die for. Love people. Now, like I said, I am pretty numb. So like if I'd have been sitting there when Jesus said that in John 13, uh, everybody's going to know you're my disciples by you loving people. I would have been like, Jesus? And he would have gone, yes, Jay. <laughs> right? And I'd have been like, when you say love people, uh, are are you saying like, Like, are we talking like Hallmark movie, like, with all the feels kind of thing? (laughs) You know I ain't good at that. Uh, When you say love people, are you talking like I love Mexican food? (laughs) Are you talking like I love my wife? Like, what exactly are you talking about when you say love people? Here's what I saw during 2020. A lot of people thought that loving people meant a lot of different things. And I honestly saw... It bleed into the church. Not rock church, not journey church, the church. And I saw a divide people that are supposed to be united around Jesus. Because they all said loving people means this. Loving people means that. You don't love people because you're saying this. You don't and good Lord, man, social media became I tapped out, honestly. <laughs> And so whenever God says, love people, my question is, what does that look like? Like, give me some practicality here. Give me something that I can do on Monday morning when I'm pulling into work. Like, give me, Lord, what do you mean when you tell me I have, that, that if I love you, I have to love people? What does that look like? Does it mean I have to buy the person's gas that's there next to me at the gas pump? Like, is that what, does it, does it mean that I have to give away everything that I ha- What does it mean? And again, I love it when God says, all right, Jay, I'm going to lay it out plain. 1 John chapter 4, look at this. God showed us how to love. He showed us love. So he said, hey, here's what I need you to do. Watch how I'm going to love people, and then I need you to be my disciple in that. I need you to follow me in that. I need you to do that. And so what I'm going to do for the rest of the morning is, again, I'm extremely practical. Like, I need something that I'm gonna take and I can apply it when I get home and we're all fighting over the last hot dog, okay? <laughs> like, give me something practical here. So, I'm gonna give you three practical things about how you can love people. Like, what does that mean? And this actually gives us the first one. It says, God showed us how much He loved us. How did He do that? Did He say, I love you? Did He like all of our posts on social media? Did He comment and say, hey, I'm praying? Or he didn't even say, I'm praying, he just gave us this, right? <laughs> like, like what, is, what does that mean? How did God show us how he loved us? What did he do? He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have eternal life through him. The first thing that God says, hey, I want you to love people like I love people. And that means loving people like Jesus means I'm going to care more about their need than my comfort. Because I promise you, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. But Jesus, I'm so glad that Jesus looked at me and he saw my need. And he said, you know what? I'll take care of that. I'm gonna care more about your needs than my comfort. So I'm gonna challenge you guys, when you get to work tomorrow, go on mission. And worry less about the label of being a Christian and more about having a radar that just spots a need and serves that need and meets that need right there. Like, I was a youth pastor for, honestly, most of my time uh, in ministry. And I used to tell the students, like, it literally can be as simple as your buddy doesn't have anything to drink at the lunch table tomorrow in school and you've got an extra buck fifty, go buy him a Coke. Like, I am literally on mission, and I'm going to care more about your, comp- your, your need than my comfort. And you know what's crazy? Is I didn't even know that I had a need. Like, like, it doesn't take much looking around at this world to see that it's not the way that it was supposed to be. Like, there's something off in this world. There's something wrong in this world. You don't have to be a Christian to to realize that. I have talked to the most atheist of the atheists, and they will all confess, yeah, there's something messed up here. It's a little jacked up, right? It's not the way it should be. And you know what the problem is? You know what the need is? It's sin. And Jesus said, there's only one thing that can be done about that, and I'll take care of it. So Scripture actually says in Romans, it says, when I was in the midst of my sin... When I was in the midst of my decay of the sickness and the darkness and the addictions and the habits and the the stuff I try to hide in the corners of my soul. And I didn't even know there was a need here. Jesus looked at me and said, I'm going to care more about his need than my comfort. And he went to the cross. So you want to know how to love people? Care more about their need than your comfort. And just step out of your comfort zone and take care of it. Just do it. I challenge you. Challenge you. Go to work tomorrow. If you can't think of anything, I got you right here. You ready? Go to Frank's Donuts. Get yourself a dozen donuts. Show up at work on a Monday morning with a dozen donuts. You just met about 12 needs right there, right? (laughs) Mother Teresa says, following Jesus is simple. But it's not always easy. You love people until it hurts. Step out of your comfort zone and love people, and then you'll love them some more. And then Jesus continues. So God shows us how to love people. The first one care more about their need than my comfort. Look at what this says next. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us first. Love initiates. Here, I'm going to try to sound smart with this one. You ready? Loving people like Jesus is a choice that is not dependent on them. Loving people, well, Jay, I just, they're so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Loving people is a choice. Jay, I just, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel like I felt about my spouse when we first got married. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Maybe, maybe our marriages would be a little bit better if we love our spouse like Jesus loves us. I'm going to care more. Y'all quiet. <laughs> I'm going to care more. <laughs> I'm going to care more about their need than my comfort. And I'm going to make a choice. But, Jay, they didn't even say sorry. I'm going to make a choice. And my ability to love them is not dependent on them. Come on, somebody. I'm going to make, somebody got it. I'm going to make a choice. Jay, what kind of choice are you talking about? What does that choice look like? All right, I got a couple for you. I'm going to choose to forgive them. But they didn't even say sorry. It's my choice. I'm going to choose to let it go. I'll forgive them. I'm going to choose not to send that text. Right? Like that. Right? No, how about you set it down, you back that sucker up, and you say, Jesus, you died for this person. Hmm. Some of y'all, and the only reason I'm saying this is because when I was preparing for this message, it hit home with me. Some of y'all need to delete some posts on your social media. Just being real. Loving Jesus. How about this one? Is it, or Loving people is a choice to believe the best in them. I can't believe he said that about me. Maybe they're having a bad day. I'm going to choose to believe the best in you. Loving people is a choice that says, you know what? I am not tapping out. I am not walking away. We will endure. Loving people is a choice that is not dependent on people. then the last one, last one. This is real love. Go to that next slide for me. This is real love, not that we loved God. So I'm going to care more about their needs than my comfort. I'm going to make a choice that is not dependent on them. Just like Jesus did, and I'm going to initiate here. He loved us, and he sent his son, and this is the last one. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And I, I've been meditating on this last one along most of the week. Um, see, because there's this, there's this lie that's going around today that says, if you love people, it means you have to just say that everything they do is okay. Y'all, I love my kids, but there is no way I'm ever going to say everything they do is okay. There's this lie that says for you to love people, you have to be just accepting of all and just say that it's all all right. There is a way to love people and not love what they do. There has to be. There has to be. Because my Savior looked at me (laughs) and he saw somebody that was addicted. He saw somebody that was the most insecure person in the whole world. He saw somebody that would do anything literally to try and fit in. Literally do anything. And he said, you know what? I'm going to see through all of that. And I'm going to see your heart. And I'm going to see a person that is worth dying for. And I am thankful that Jesus did not overlook my sins and pretend like they weren't there. Because there is a price that needs to be paid for my sins. And instead of saying, you know what? We're just going to pretend like it's not sin. We're going to pretend like it's okay. Jesus said, no, I will pay for your sins. Because if I want to love you, I'm going to love you in spite of some of the things you do. Loving people like Jesus means loving people and still hating sin. Still holding a banner of truth like Jesus to the prostitute who was caught in adultery and everybody else wanted to kill that woman and legally they could have in that culture. And Jesus looks at this woman and he stands up for her and then he says, he doesn't say, hey, it's okay. I love you. Go on back to your life. What does he say? He says, you are not condemned in me, but you got to change. Go and sin no more. I love people while still hating and holding this banner of truth. Look at Romans 12. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Don't be like, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're all just happy. Oh, it's all right. Really love them and still hate what is wrong. Like, hold tight to the good that you see but still say, hey, y'all, listen, I, I, um, there's this guy that I've been hanging out with for almost a couple of years now. He's been coming to our church, and we hang out all the time. He's bald, so we have a club, me and Tommy. Tommy, you should be in that club. <laughs> he's a great guy, and he's an awesome guy. Um, he actually comes from the South. He's got a couple kids. Um, and Ruth and I took a couple of days off last week. And we were driving. We like hiking. We're actually getting ready to hike up Katahdin. Tommy, when are you going up? Are you going up this year? Oh, for real? We're, gonna, we're going up last week of August. Anyways, we're going up Katahdin. So we've been taking a couple days here and there and, and hitting a bunch of peaks close to here to, to build your body up for. it. And we were driving to one of these trails, y'all. And I got this text from this guy. And he says, Jay, I can't hide it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, What? We've been hanging out a lot. This is, I can't hide it anymore. He says, I have a serious problem with alcohol. He says, it never gets extreme, but it never goes away. He said, it's killing my marriage, and I don't know what to do. Now, let me ask you, what would loving him have been? Would it have been to say, hey, it's all right. It's always been there. It's a part of who you are now. So you just embrace it. And if your wife can't accept that, then she's the problem. Is that loving him? No. How about this? Oh, it's all right, man. You just pray through it. <laughs> you pray. I'll pray for you. <laughs> or would it have been this? I've been there. Not with alcohol, but I've had some, some pretty raunchy addictions in my life. I've been there. I get that. But you know what? I promise you we can walk away from this. And I promise you that I'm not going anywhere. Let's pray. If you and your wife need some counseling, I got some buddies that know some some counselors we can recommend. Let's walk away from this thing together. You love people, but you hold on to truth. Let's walk away from it. The pastor, Chris Hodges, says Jesus always connects with people before he ever corrects people. In fact, the only people that he was ever harsh in his correction was the people that thought they had that whole thing all figured out. I will connect before I correct. So to wrap this whole thing up. A lot of people would like to define Christianity as just love. Let's just love people. I promise you that if you go out and try to love people and you don't start, what did did we say at the beginning? We said, what does it mean to be a Christian? And it started with in Christ. And if you go out and try to just love people out of yourself, there will come a time where your gas runs empty. How do I love people that I can't stand? Come on, somebody. Somebody. Everybody knows somebody that you're like, Jesus, I'm glad you died for them because there ain't no way I would, right? (laughs) How do I love people that I don't agree with? How do I love people that don't agree with me and they're letting it be known? 1 John 4, 16. God is love. Now, don't mistake this. This does not say love is God. I heard a pastor say, God encompasses love, but love does not encompass God. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. Now look, here's the key. How do I love people like that? God lives in them. As we live in God, then our love will grow perfect. So basically, here's what I'm telling you. (laughs) You can't give what you don't have. And so if you try to go out and love people like Jesus without having Jesus in you, let me ask you this question. If we live in God, here we go, here's the question. Before you go out on Monday morning, where have you been living? Where have you been living? Has it been with Jesus? Or has it been with social media? Has it been with Jesus, or has it been with Netflix? Jay, how do I tell where I've been living? Who's influencing the way that you think? Who's affecting what you say is right and wrong? Are you a disciple of Jesus? And as you, I promise you, as you live in Jesus, here's what happens. That that verse, go back to that verse we started with, Galatians. In Jesus, I'm living in Jesus, and here's what happens. Everything else, all of the labels and all the definitions that I thought were important, they don't matter. What matters is a faith and a sincere living in Christ that is so birthed in who I am that it comes out of me. And I love people, all people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. Jesus, I thank you that when you see us, you see a child of God. You see someone that is worth dying for, Lord. Despite all of my flaws, all of my sin, you still love me. Lord, help us to live lives that are so rooted in you that we cannot help but love those around us. Help us to live lives that see every person around us as someone that you came for. Lord, if there's somebody in here and their life is not in you, they have not yielded their life to your power. They have not yielded their life to to, to be a disciple and a follower of you. I pray right now that you would move on their heart. Lord, that the kindness and the love of God would draw them to you. You know, if that's you and you're realizing, I've been living in the wrong place. I have not been living in Christ. Or maybe you're realizing, I never made that heart decision to follow him. It is a simple heart decision. But like Mother Teresa said, it's simple, but it's not always easy. Because there's going to be other pulls. But if you're making that heart decision this morning, I want to follow you, Jesus. Then it literally, it's that simple. Just say, Jesus, Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for meeting my need. Please forgive my sin. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Jay. Can we give him a round of applause? Every public speaker hates that when someone says, will you clap for me afterwards? But we're going to do that because that was... Awesome message, good word. Uh, I think as I've kind of sat through this past week, and as we talked about love last week, and I knew we were speaking about it this week, and how kind of timely a message like this is, um, as we find ourselves heading into the school year and all that that brings with it. So I just encourage you guys to to take this. Watch this again. It's going to be on YouTube. Uh, we have last week's message up there, too. Um, share it with your friends, but re-watch it. I think that God is really trying to pull us towards something, to be known not just as a as a group of people who you know, crack the Bible once in a while, but a group of people who love unlike any other. So I uh, call you guys to that. Don't forget, there is a small group sign-up in the back. I encourage you, um, like Jay talked about with that, his friend there, there's nothing better than a relationship with someone else that you can kind of pull each other along, and you can find that in small groups. So I encourage you guys to check that out. If you're new, we have a gift for you. Hopefully you guys will be back next week. We have another guest speaker. Uh, Chris Madden's dad, Ernie Madden, will be joining us for part three of our series Christian um, he's spoken here before. He does an amazing job. So encourage you guys to come back for that. Would you stand with me? Hope you guys have a great week. We love you, and we'll see you next time.